What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is Wednesday afternoon. Typically, I do NBR on Mondays or was doing NBR on Mondays for the longest time. Now we are over here with a little scheduling plan change uh, during the season. We are now over here live on Wednesdays at noon. Glad you could be here with us. This is NBR, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm rather passionate about and I bring them to you. I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes but rather takes that I am hot about. Okay, so like this one. Are we really going to sit here uh, and, and buy this Iowa stuff again? Now, look, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kirk Ferentz as much as the next guy. I think he runs a, a pretty tight ship. Well, except for that whole thing with his, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coordinator a couple years back. That, that's that's beside the point. Um, I think he's a good football coach. As, a, as an offensive line guy, seeing a guy go up the offensive line track uh, to where he is now as a head coach and as the longest tenured head coach in college football, I've got some respect for that, right? I enjoy that type of climb. I'm here for that. But every single time you guys, when I say you guys, I mean the national media tries to shove Iowa down my throat, it doesn't really end well, right? I'm always told every three or four years, no, nah, this is the one. This is the one. Iowa's a playoff contender. They're going to give Ohio State a run. And, yeah, they, they they slip up on Ohio State every once in a while. They, they, they Every once in a while, they come out of the Big Ten, right? Every once in a while, they go to a Big Ten championship game um, out, out of their side of that division in the Big Ten. And, it, and that story always ends, for some reason, in a 16-13 to 13 absolute barn burner of a loss to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. And then they end up going on uh, to the Rose Bowl and get absolutely drummed. And I mean a drumming by Stanford at the, hand of, at the hands of Christian McCaffrey in the Rose Bowl. So do me a favor. I And this is just me, right? Do me a favor. I, I'm, I'm going to hold out on believing Iowa is a threat or Iowa is a, a national title contender or Iowa is a playoff contender or Iowa is a threat in the Big Ten to Ohio State until I see it. Okay, so don't don't drive the the national narrative on Iowa. Trust me, I'm good. At least I'm not buying it. I'm I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Iowa is one of these programs that you're going to keep telling me over and over again is a national title contender or a, a, a playoff contender when they finally get it together or when they have a strong start to a football season. Hold out. You 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 can keep that stock. You can hold that one. I, I'm not buying that. Okay, um, that, that that's not something that I'm 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 gonna be here for. Um, and that's our opening kick. Okay, I, I get a lot of comments on YouTube. This guy's intros are way too long. You know why I do that? Because talking on a microphone's hard. Okay, so it's nice to get nice and loose and warmed up before you start delivering some of these takes. So I'm changing some things around here. Not only with the set, but how we go about doing the show with an opening kick. Right. And opening kick is brought to you by Cola Kicks, our sponsor over here in the bottom right-hand corner, one of the best uh, places, if not the best place, to buy any type of retro sneakers, um, any type of sneakers that you like, whether you're a Jays guy, uh, Yeezys guy, Air Force Ones guy, whatever you are. I bought uh, our very first subscriber over on Patreon, Jeremiah Stoddard, one of our biggest fans on this network and on this platform, uh, and, a, and one of our biggest contributors now that we've actually brought him on to help us produce some content. Um, one of our number one guys bought him a pair of Kobe's that just might be the, my favorite pair of shoes I've ever bought on that platform. And I didn't even buy them for myself. So colakicks.com, use promo code Brooks on any purchase of $100 or more, and you will get $10 off. And the great thing about Cola Kicks, and this makes them unique, and I've said this over and over again, the great thing about Cola Kicks is they do have free shipping. Okay, again, so head over there, colakicks.com, find all the latest and greatest for you sneakerheads, uh, and be sure to tell them Brooks sent you by using promo code Brooks. We have a loaded show for you guys today, as we typically do on Nothing But Rants. Um, got a great show planned, uh, including, you know, I, I think Kirby Smart is only halfway through dispelling the pundits when it comes to his coaching tender, or tenure tender, his coaching tenure at the University of Georgia. We will talk about that uh, to open the show today. Got a little bit of recruiting momentum coming your way if you're a Georgia fan, so feel free to hold on. That one's going to be a quick segment, a segment, okay? We're not going to give you a whole bunch of info on that, but if you want it all, feel free to join us on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We will give you all of the latest and greatest news on the recruiting trail over there, so feel free to sign up uh, wherever you, or not, not, not wherever, 
Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Awesome. I'll give you the latest on the quarterback situation in Athens as well. A uh, little segment I'm, I'm going to do uh, on, on that one is basically what Kirby's told us, what I know, and what my opinion is on the situation there. Uh, and, and you guys seem to like buy, sell, and hold last week. So we'll load up some more buy, sell, and hold segments today here on MBR. And I'll close with Stone Cold B's Austin's Lock of the Week. Okay, I'm 17-10 and 10 this year against the spread. I'm going to mix in some more gambling advice uh, on this you know, broadcast. And I- I'll tell you this much. I've never been a gambler. I-, I like to do some parlays. I think they're fun. It's my way. It's my way of – it's basically, basically a sports lottery ticket. It's my way of doing that. Um, so that's what I like to do. But I think I know a little bit about these situations. And, and obviously with 17-10 and 10 to start for the first two weeks – not bad at doing it, so we will load up our Stone Cold Bees Austin's Lock of the Week. Shout out to Prince. We got the Purple Rain shirt on today here in the studio. So shout out to Prince and shout out to Cola Kicks. Retro Tees. If you like Retro Tees, they got you as well over there. Retro Tees making a strong comeback uh, in the Swagoo and Drip game. Swagoo and Drip. Good Lord. I sound like a TikTok teenager. Anyways, let's get it started. Um, But before we do, let's handle some business. However, wherever you found this stream, give us that thumbs up. That's how we climb up the ranks. That's how more people find us. That's how we trick that algorithm and and boost that algorithm over on YouTube as I go to like my own uh, video over there on YouTube. So feel free to hit that thumbs up for us. We appreciate you for being here. Um, And of course, share it wherever you want to. And join us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. I've got to put something on this desk that doesn't make me want to touch it. I, I, I'm an ADD guy, so if I see something, I'm always going to move it. I got a pencil here. Maybe I just twiddle that in my fingers. I don't know. I need to figure out how to maintain and, and control my ADHD. Putting the phone on the desk is never a good idea because I get about 5,000 notifications during the show, but it is what it is. Maybe somebody will call me and tell me that I got some audio issues like they had to last week. Um, not, we also have a a podcast platform for you guys that maybe can't catch us live, or maybe you watch us upon rewatch, or maybe you jump in the stream and don't catch all of it. So you got to go back and re-listen to it. If you don't have time to watch us on YouTube, we do have a podcast platform where I upload all of these shows right after they get done going live. Unless I forget that's the film guy network. However, wherever you find your podcast. And if you could please subscribe over there, give us a five-star rate and review. All right. Enough of asking you for your support. You do a good enough job giving it to me anyways. Let's get into this opening rant that we have, um, which is where I I do think there have been two warranted, and I do mean warranted, criticisms against Kirby Smart during his tenure as the head coach uh, at the University of Georgia in Athens. Um, The first being that he can't win big games, right? That's been a narrative not only about Georgia, uh, or excuse me, not only about Kirby Smart, but about Georgia as well as a a program, right? Right. but specifically during the Kirby Smart era, just think about it. 2017, you lose to Bama in the national championship game, right? 2018, you lose to Bama in the SEC championship game. 2019, you lose to LSU in the SEC championship game. And 2020, you lose to Bama on the road, right? Um, not not necessarily all games that you were supposed to be favored in, right? You definitely weren't, but you're up on Bama three of all three of those times at halftime. Um, and, you know, the LSU game was a slacking from open, opening kick. So when you have ran up against programs that are equivalent, equivalently talented as you are or on the same stature as you are as a football program you've lost those football games at the University of Georgia Kirby Smart until September 4th okay until this year when you beat Clemson against a a head-to-head opponent a football team that that spread was three points you were expected to not only compete in that game but many in your program thought you should win that football game you did it so you are now one for five in those situations but you got the one Right, you, you you got over that hurdle. It's not the Bama hurdle. You ain't got over that one yet. But you got over this big game hurdle. Your program now believes going into these types of football games, we not only think we can win, we now know we can win. Right? There's a difference between thinking you can do something and knowing you can do something. This program now knows they can do that. Right? He's excellent. Kirby Smart is, and this Georgia program is absolutely excellent against teams you should beat. 
right? Good football programs that you should beat. You beat Notre Dame twice. You are three for four uh, in the last four years over a Florida football team that's not been bad, but you should have beaten them. You're three for four in those matchups. You should have beaten a Big 12 opponent in the Rose Bowl a handful of years ago in 2017 with your dominant run game and your defense that was a little bit overbearing that year. You won that football game, okay? Um, he's borderline flawless in those matchups. Where I'm talking top 10 matchup, but Georgia, everyone thinks on paper is the better football team. You're good there. That's not a hump that you have, you've had to get over, right? But it's those upper echelon games, right? The Bamas, the Clemsons, the LSU in 2019. You've had problems getting over that hurdle. You got over it this year to start the football season. And you got one more hurdle at the end of the year, probably in the SEC Championship game, to get over as well there too. But you've at least, now you know, like we said, you thought you could, you think you could, now you know you can, right? So that's a big hurdle that you've gotten over. But there's still one left in this Kirby Smart regime. There's still one thing he hasn't quite shown that he can do. Think about it. And it's these letdown games, guys. It's the other criticism that you can bring towards Kirby Smart in this program. He has a letdown game each of these seasons when they are contending or trying to contend for a national title and a college football playoff appearance. 2017, Auburn at Auburn was a bad, bad football game. Now, you, you, you came back and fought back that one in the SEC Championship game, but that don't matter. That's not the point. That Auburn game in 2017 on the road was a letdown. 2018 on the road at LSU, that was a letdown. 2019 South Carolina at home, you guys know all about that one. That was a letdown football game. And I personally... If you want to consider it, I would throw the 2020 game against Florida a letdown football game. You were favored in that one. I understand all of the injuries. Not only to compound that issue, you come out and you lose Lewis Seen in the first half, but that football team wasn't 18 points better than you, right? Those all, all four of those football games over the last four years that I just mentioned, Auburn in 17, LSU in 18, South Carolina at home in 19, and Florida and Jacksonville in 20. Those were all games in which Georgia was favored to win, and sometimes by a very large margin, by a very large margin, and Georgia just simply failed to show up, right? In my opinion, these are inexcusable losses for the most part in terms of how you performed and the fashion in which you lost those football games, okay? Auburn in 17 was a good football team. 2018, LSU was on the verge of being a really good football team. Okay, Joe Burrow was starting to settle in that year. Um, 2020, Florida last year, really good football team. But Auburn wasn't 33 points better than you in 2017 on the road. You proved that two weeks later when you actually showed up for the SEC Championship game. They weren't 33 points better than you. LSU in 2018 was not 20 points better than you. They weren't. You went on to give Alabama a push and a run for their money in an SEC, SEC Championship game a, a month or two later. So that's not that's failing to show up. And I don't believe Florida, despite all the injuries last year, again, was a 16-point uh, football team better than you. That wasn't the case. Those were games, especially the South Carolina game in 2019, those were games where you just came out flat, right? Where your opponent jumped up on you early and you just didn't fight back or you just didn't get back into those football games. Those were teams you should beat. Those were teams you should manhandle, and you should beat the way you should beat them. That's the last hurdle that Kirby Smart's got to get over. He's beating Clemson now. Again, you now know that you can beat those types of programs in high critical situations, and especially to open the season. You know you can beat those programs. Now, you thought you could. Now you know. You still got to get over Bama. That's the third hurdle that you'll ta you'll tackle in December, uh, If you're hopefully if you're Kirby Smart. But – You've got an entire season worth of regular season games. I'm talking South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. I'm talking Kentucky, Florida, Auburn. I'm talking all of them. Georgia Tech, Charleston Southern. The rest of the schedule is filled with opportunities for Kirby Smart in this football program to prove that nah, the, the, the yesteryear days of us showing up or lack, lack thereof, not showing up against opponents that we're much, much better than, those days are gone. They are behind us. That's the next hurdle that Georgia's got to get over. And again, they've got an entire season to prove that. Absolutely prove that they can do that. Um, 
because guys, the schedule remaining is 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 pretty porous, right? It's not very good. So much so that I do think some uh, some season ticket holders are kind of not necessarily upset because there's nothing you can do about it. It's not Kirby Smart or Josh Brooks's fault that the SEC East is down. It's not Kirby Smart and Josh Brooks's fault that the best and most important game and probably closest game on their schedule moving forward is at home versus Kentucky. That's not your fault. That's not your fault at the University of Georgia. It's not your fault that Tennessee's a dumpster fire. It's not your fault that South Carolina is a 31-point underdog in an SEC opponent against an SEC opponent. That's not your fault. It's not. You play who you play. You play who's on the schedule, especially conference opponents. So it is what it is on that front. You just got to do – you got to handle business and play – and Kirby, this is coach speak, but it's true. It's 100% true, and I think this is why he preaches on it so bad because over the last four years they've had games in which they did not play to their standard. They played to the standard of their opponent. He preaches and harps on these things because he knows. We've got to play to our standard, right? We have failed to do that the last four years, and it's come back to bite us. Three of the last four years, I think you finished fifth in the AP poll or the BCS poll – prior, or excuse me, the college football rankings prior to the uh, playoff being cut. You finished fifth a lot of times. And South Carolina in 2019 cost you a college football playoff appearance. It did. It 100% did. The the slip-up to Florida cost you. If you don't lose to Florida and you go to the SEC championship game, maybe you get in as a two-loss team. Or better yet, you have an opportunity to play uh, an Alabama team with JT Daniels at the helm last year. Those slip-ups cost you. They absolutely costed you in the past years. So keep the standard the standard. Do not settle or do not sit down and play to your opponent. Play your opponents the way in which you would play Clemson or the way in which you would play Alabama later in the season. If you handle that, you'll handle business the rest of the season. All right, so it looks like we're starting to finally load up with some viewerships over here. You know, I, I have to ask you again, hit those thumbs up. That's how we're getting these boosts. That's how we're getting to where we are uh, in terms of viewership. So appreciate you guys for being here. I know Wednesday afternoon, noon kickoff here for us. Noon kicks are something that the Georgia fan base despises for good reason. But hopefully this Wednesday show, you guys can make a little, uh, you know, concession for your boy because I do enjoy doing this. And I also enjoy having Wednesday nights off because, good Lord, guys, I know you're not here to hear listen to me complain, but, you know, Monday film study, that takes three or four hours for me to rewatch just the offense and then get on camera and talk about it for an hour for the Patreon folks. Same thing, same process on Tuesday. That's a lot of work going in them defensive film studies uh, and a lot of time on camera Tuesday night. So we've got a Monday night show, a Tuesday night show. We bring you this one on Wednesdays during noon just so I can have some time with my family on Wednesday nights. And then Thursday, we're completely live in public for a What to Expect episode for everybody as well Friday nights I'm at a high school football game and then Saturday we have our live watch parties okay so it's a loaded schedule for me that's why we moved MBR to Wednesdays at noon so I would appreciate you guys um, appreciating the program and appreciating the hard efforts uh, and and the workload over here by just giving us a simple like right Uh, and telling your friends what we got going on over here especially over on Patreon and Dogs Daily so we appreciate you guys for being a part of today's broadcast. Now, I did tell you that there's, I suspect, some recruiting momentum coming. And I don't just suspect. When I say these things, I, there it's coming, guys. I, I, I think I, I don't care what anyone else inside that program tells me anymore. I've, I'm, I'm done buying the fact or the, the narrative that Kirby Smart is not a momentum recruiter. I'm out. I'm out on that one. This The history shows me he 100% is. When he starts piling them up, he is piling them up. He is getting recruit after recruit after recruit to commit, to commit, to commit, to commit. He is building momentum and building that recruiting narrative. He 100% is, and he's about to go on a run. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He's about to go on a run. He's got the momentum on the field, right? They're the number two ranked team in the country. They've got a showdown coming in a couple of months with uh, Alabama, assuming they handle their business like we were talking about in the last segment, assuming they handle their business, they've got a showdown coming with Alabama at the end of the year. I'm going to venture to bet over this next month or so, Kirby Smart's going to get some momentum on the recruiting trail as well. I'm just, it's just a hunch, right? Uh, C.J. Madden, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, has just announced on Twitter or will be announcing soon on Twitter – 
Uh, actually, he did at noon today. Um, he's moving his commitment up. He's committing tomorrow at noon Eastern. Okay. Again, not not news if you're over on Patreon. He's moved his commitment up. He will be committing tomorrow. Um, sh- spoiler alert, I'm putting the Georgia Bulldogs on commitment watch for no other reason than the fact that they were in his top five. Uh, he's an in-state product, and Georgia's been on him heavily since the summer. That one, okay, that one's coming tomorrow, or the announcement's coming tomorrow. Oscar Delp's set to commit September 30th. Georgia's been in the lead on that one for quite a while as well. They're big leaders in that one. And have you seen what they've been doing with Brock Bowers lately? We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. Um, So, yeah, uh, a name that you would have known if you were on Patreon, Robbie Harrison, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Guess what? If they want him, he's committing pretty soon as well. So, if they're going to continue this momentum recruiting, he's definitely on the board. He's got an official offer, and he's set to make an announcement. And I can tell you right now, Georgia likes him. I don't know if they like him enough to take him this early, but they like him, okay? And if you believe in this momentum, recruit him. That might be one that they end up flashing in the next 15 or 16 days, okay? Um, And I also have it on on good authority. There's going to be a surprise very, very soon. Very, very soon. Committing to the University of Georgia out of nowhere, okay? Out of absolute nowhere. I'm expecting a stringer of names to pop up very, very soon. So buckle down. Hold, hold on to your horses and just remember that you heard it here first. You, well, you heard it first on Patreon. And then I gave it to you for free about a month later over on YouTube. So enjoy that. And, and if you do enjoy that kind of talk, subscribe to the YouTube channel too because you ain't going to miss uh, very much over here if you hit us with that little bell notification so you never miss a show. I would re- highly recommend that, especially if you believe our schedule to be a little bit sporadic. Um, and I apologize for that, but I can't do nothing about it. Now we finally got it scheduled that the season uh, is finally here. All right, so we've got some uh, we got some YouTube commenters over there. We will get to you guys at the end of the show. You know I always like to save some Q&A for you at the end. I see some questions about uh, Bear Alexander. I, I think that one goes down to the wire, to be honest with you. He may commit early, whatever. It's going down to the wire, I'm telling you. So that even if that one pops early, just hold your horses. Wait until mid-December. Heck, some of these guys, like Walter Nolan, I think you might have to wait until February, to be 100% honest with you. I think they, this class, more than every other class, might drag some things out because they got a late start on some things, right? They got a very, very late start on the ability to go to these college campuses. So just hold your horses right there, okay? Um, or in that case, hold your bear right there, okay? So just, just wait that one out. Um, we'll see when and if it pops. Uh, to the University of Georgia, I still think as th- at this moment right now, uh, I still would think Texas A&M's in the lead for that. But this season could change some things, right? Haynes King just went down out there; they might lose some ball games. Winning ten to seven, even with your backup quarterback against Colorado, not a good look. Just gonna be a hundred percent frank with you there. Now let's talk about this quarterback situation. I see some Luther Burden comments as well over there. We will get to that. Let's talk about this quarterback situation uh, at the University of Georgia right now. And again, we're going to break this down into three different categories. We'll go with what Kirby's told us, what I know, and what my opinion is. What I think is going to happen, or what I think should happen, rather, um, will be our final uh, you know, semi-segment within this segment. So here's what Kirby Smart's told us, right? JT Daniels is getting better, and he's seeing some progress in that oblique. That's about all the information we got out of him this week. Um, the other thing we know is now all of a sudden Stetson Bennett's dealing with some type of back injury, um, but it seems to be okay. He's dealing with a back in- issue, add him to the injury report, but it seems to be fine. Okay, so that's what Kirby's told us. Not a whole lot of information, but it is a little bit more information than he typically gives us, to be 100% honest with you. For him to even say there's some progress, he's going to say there's progress about almost every player, uh, but for him to even give us an, an update on JT Daniels, that's a little bit more than he typically says. Uh, secondly, to reveal an injury that nobody really knew about um, in terms of some back stiffness and stuff, I didn't hear about that from people inside that program. That's that's additional information that Kirby's given us that typically don't get out. So maybe, just maybe, there's some change in here going on with how much information he's willing to share. I would venture to say probably not, right? This is a pretty locked-up program, pretty locked-up dude when it comes to the amount of information he's going to give out. But he gave you that. JT, progress, uh, Stetson Bennett, um, having some minor back issues. 
neither of which we think are going to be long-term or lingering issues. So here's what I know. That's what Kirby's told us. Here's what I know. JT Daniels is like he was last week, fighting to play in this football game. And he's taking reps um, without any major setbacks uh, and with minor progression with this injury, right? It's getting slightly better, but the good news is there's no setback right now. And the good news is you've got a quarterback that is fighting tooth and nail to play through a minor injury, right? So that shows you a little bit about his toughness, right? Um, So that's good news right there. Got some – hold hold the Devontae Wyatt questions for for the end of the show. Um, We may talk about it. Not really my my news to be be breaking or talking about there anyways. Um, So that's what I know. JT Daniels fighting back to get healthy, right? He's fighting through this oblique injury. He's scratching tooth and nail to get onto the football field. He's dying to play, and he showed some progress with the injury. And most importantly, and we'll get to it here in a second, there's been no setbacks. The other thing I'll tell you is that Stetson's taking reps with the ones as well. Um, And the back doesn't seem, like I said, to be an issue. Doesn't seem to be one that will keep him out of a football game. Really tough dude. um, Really tough competitor. Will want to be on the field if there's any way possible that he can. Very similar to JT Daniels. So, both these guys taking reps with the ones. Both these guys nursing some minor injuries. That's what I know, right? Here's my opinion. Oblique injuries are absolutely nothing to mess with. And I mean nothing. Like, at all. Um, Nothing at all to be risking potential further setbacks. One setback on your way to to recovery with an oblique injury basically takes you back to square one. Okay, you could spend three or four weeks rehabbing an oblique injury. You do one thing to set that thing off, and it's a fire ablaze. A fire ablaze, you are back to square one, back where you started. They are very, very fickle injuries. Very fickle injuries. I also know that South Carolina is not a very good football team. Just going to put it how it is. South Carolina right now, Struggling with mid-major opponents at home, on the road, don't matter. They are struggling to beat football teams that SEC teams should not struggle to beat. That's a fact right now. They are rebuilding their program. They are, you know, Shane Beamer, say what you want about him. He, that's, a, that's, a, that's a long-term goal right there. That's a long play uh, for that staff and that athletic administration. They are not ready right now to compete with the number two team in the country. That I know. I know that Georgia should be able to handle South Carolina if they lined James Cook up and ran the wild dog 40 snaps on Saturday. That's what I know. Because I also know South Carolina's graduate assistant quarterback probably won't get past midfield on this Georgia defense. So here's my opinion. I I think you should start Stetson Bennett, okay? And, and, And rest JT for another week, at least one more week to avoid any types of setbacks. And here's why. You, you, you handle South Carolina, you handle business like you're supposed to, and then you would go next week after two weeks, two full weeks of JT Daniels rehabbing this injury, taking time off away from this injury, and then guess what? Next week, you get him hot, okay? You get him ready to go. You get him playing with confidence. That way, when you bring Arkansas to town, who is a relatively good football team, I'm not necessarily buying all the stock right now, but they, they have proven that they are a, a well-balanced, physical, tough SEC football team. You need JT Daniels ready to go for that football game. And you damn sure need him ready to go for Kentucky the following week. So this ain't one of those ones. I would let Stetson play. But you're going to have to, you're going to have a pissed off JT Daniels. If he is indeed ready to go, he's going to be mad for not being able to play. That's the way he is. Mentally, that is how he is cut out. Okay, but that's the way I would go about approaching this. You need JT Daniels fully healthy and fully confident come Arkansas, and you can let him get his shots up and let him get back confident and let him figure out where his receivers are in their development process against Vanderbilt. Because guess what? You want to score 90 on them anyways, Georgia fans, because of what they did to your beloved senior day last year. Right? That's what you want. You want 90 on the head of the Vanderbilt Commodores. So... Let JT Daniels get confident in that football game and let him hang 90, right? And then the next week, when you play Arkansas, he'll be nice and loose uh, and, and ready to roll, right? So that, that would be my game plan there uh, and how I would attack things at the quarterback position. But, you know, and it's something we've told the Patreon audience uh, for a couple of days now. You know, honestly, I, I think 
if there are no setbacks, I, I think you play uh, JT Daniels. Look, Daniels knows, and, and, and this is a, a, a long-term game, and I know Georgia fans love to talk about next season, but you shouldn't. You should be wanting to talk about this season. I'll tell you this, for next season and for that quarterback room, the best thing that can happen for you is for JT Daniels to light the world on fire right now and go to the NFL. Win a national championship, go to the NFL, because that will allow you to clean that room out just a little bit, right? Because it's fitting, it's loaded now. It's loaded with a bunch of dudes that the Georgia fan base is clamoring to see. Clamoring to see, right? Um, one of those being Carson Beck and the other one being uh, Brock Vandergriff, right? Well, next year, you're going to get another one of those guys into the roster. You're going to get another one. And his name's Gunnar Stockton. So there you go. You're, you're absolutely positively going to need uh, that quarterback room to clear up, to clean up. And the best way for Georgia to have that happen is to have your starting quarterback now light it up and go to the NFL. I think everyone in that building can agree on that. You absolutely need that one. So how do you go about doing that? Well, you make sure he puts up 28 for 32, 300 yards in the first half against South Carolina. You stack this, you pad the stats on that kid. Because though the NFL is looking at film, they also, the narrative's there. If, if, if JT Daniels stacks up a bunch of stats this year, moving forward, well, the NFL is going to pay attention because their fan base is going to be paying attention, right? That's how these things work. And you still got to be uber talented. Well, I, I completely uh, uh, believe that JT Daniels is. So, again, I think the best way to go about this is to probably get him on the field at some point, but you got to assure that there will be no setbacks, that he is completely 110% past this oblique injury. Because, again, one little tweak sets you back multiple weeks. Multiple weeks with an oblique. Tweak, weeks, oblique. How about them apples? All right, we got one of our favorite segments of the week, and that is buy, sell, and hold. Okay, we got to do a little bit of, uh, of, of self-scouting, first of all. You guys know me. I like to hold myself accountable. Um, if I'm going to hold guy, you know, young men accountable uh, to their performance on film, I, I've got to self-scout thyself, right? That's something Chris Sims taught me when it comes to this business and, and being in this media business. Self-scout thyself. So let's do a little self-scouting on our buy, sell, and hold segment from a week ago. Let's start with the negatives. I sold Oregon. I sold Oregon hard last week, uh, even without Kayvon Thibodeau and even without Justin Flo. They controlled that football game against Ohio State for the better part of 48 minutes. That's a bad look on the buy, sell, holds. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, I bought Mike Norvell stock last week. Holy hell, guys. That's a bad look. I bought Mike Norvell stock last week, and they lose to Jacksonville State, playing cover two man under with six seconds left in a football game because they were worried about a damn timeout and worried about you know Jacksonville State kicking a 48-yard field goal. Never, never in my life. Um, that was bad. It was bad move. Bad move. And I wasn't just buying Mike Norvell stock because I knew I was going to run into him Friday. I was buying Mike Norvell stock last week because I believed um, in what he was selling and what I saw on film and uh, on that game day against Notre Dame. That's a bad look. Self-scouting, not great on those two. Selling Oregon while also buying Mike Norvell in a week where Oregon beats Ohio State on the road convincingly and Mike Norvell loses to Jacksonville State who got beat 31 to nothing by UAB the week before. Those are two L's right there. Those are fat, fat, fat L's. I got somebody in the comments right now, Connor Graham, telling me that I said to put the mortgage on Ohio State. Yeah, and guess what? I'm hurting to pay the mortgage this month. Not really. But yeah, sorry. That's not a good look. But hold on now. I did tell you to hold on Oklahoma. I told you to hold that Oklahoma stock after a, a bump in with Tulane. Guess what they did? They turned around 176 to nothing this week against Western Carolina. Granted, it's Western Carolina, but Western Carolina, Tulane, to the average college football fan, you probably don't know the difference. Well, the difference is 76 to nothing versus 40 to 35. So Lincoln Riley was out to, you know, make a point. And we knew that was going to happen. That's why I told you to hold the stock. Last week also told you to hold the stock on that UGA offense. How'd that look this week? So we're two for two so far. Oh, and I told you to hold the stock on Sam Howell. Uh, he was 21 for 29, 352 and three tutties. 
this past weekend against Georgia State. Not too bad for someone that I told you to hold the stock on. So, we had a winning percentage last week in buy, sell, and hold. But these are long games, ladies and gentlemen. These are long games. So, we'll try to keep a track record of these as we go throughout the season. Uh, we'll put some of our uh, admins on that moving forward. But I got some more buy, sell, and holds for you. Let's start with the buys. I don't believe in anybody in that uh, Florida quarterback room right now, but I'll tell you one thing, and he's hurt this week, so it kind of sucks for this segment. But I've seen enough. I'm buying Anthony Richardson over Emory Jones down at Florida. I am. Again, I don't believe in either of these guys. But explosive is explosive. When you see it, you know it. You know it when you see it. When someone is three for three, a buck 52, three runs, 121 yards on the ground, you know explosive when you see it. You do. And guess what? Emory Jones right now, two touchdowns to four interceptions, completing 63% of his balls through the first two starts. And it's not a small sample size, guys. He is chunking it. They are throwing the football down there. 63% over, I believe, 54 attempts. Two touchdowns to four interceptions against Florida Atlantic and South Florida. Not a good look. Not a good look. Again, I would sell the quarterback room as a whole. And I would sell Florida as a whole. But in this particular battle, I'm buying Anthony Richardson. As a redshirt freshman, look, you're at a program right now at Florida where you you may not be rebuilding, but you are repairing. You are 100% repairing from losses of damages or damages of losses that you had on that offensive side of the football from last year. Kyle Trask was a good football player. He's 6'4", Jake Fromm, but when you survive, when you surround him, with the likes of Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, and Trayvon Grimes, he's going to look really, really good. And he did. He looked really, really good. Emory Jones don't look like that right now. Anthony Richardson can help you survive. The problem is you go into a matchup with Alabama this week, and Emory, or Anthony Richardson might have put, tore his hamstring last week uh, against USF on an 85-yard touchdown run or whatever it was. But when he gets back and when he's fully healthy – which, by the way, we'll get to it a little bit later in our Stone Cold Bees Austin's Lock of the Week. Um, Alabama, four, minus 14 and a half, looking mighty good. Looking mighty good. If you're turning the ball over four times over two games against FAU and uh, USF, buddy, you're you going you to be turning that football over against Alabama. I can promise you that right now. So just wait on that one. But for, for the purposes of the segment, I'm buying Anthony Richardson over Emory Jones. Emory Jones' performances through the first two games ain't going to cut it. And maybe he turns a new leaf. Maybe he's a gamer, right? Maybe he just needs a close game to look great. I don't know. I don't know. I believe in the skill set that is there for Emory Jones. I do not believe in the results that have been laid bare. That's, that's, that's what I'm telling you right now. So I am buying Anthony Richardson over Emory Jones. But I'm selling the quarterback room as a whole. So there you go. I'm also buying a crap load of whatever Todd Hartley stock is left. I mean, holy smokes, guys. Look at this. Darnell Washington, dog. Brock Bowers, dog. Oscar Delp, probably a dog, but is a dog, if you know what I mean. Pierce Sperlin, dog. Okay, buy all the Todd Hartley stock you can. Okay, look, I don't know if this guy's ever going to be a coordinator. I don't know if that's what he's cut out for. But I do see him sitting right-hand man or most of the time left-hand man to Todd Munkin uh, up in the box helping him call plays. So maybe that is the future progression of this young individual. But I will tell you this, the dude can recruit his butt off. He can recruit his butt off at the tight end position. I'll tell you another thing, he develops. He does. I saw him take a Darnell Washington last year that was six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. By the end of the year, he had physically developed to about two hundred and sixty-five pounds. But to start the season, Darnell Washington is one of the best end of line blockers in the SEC as a tight end. Guess what? Because not a lot of kids do it anymore. Darnell had never done it. I think he had put his hand in the dirt maybe three times his whole entire high school career. And he looked really, really good as an end of line blocker towards the middle of the season last year. Really, really good. Doing some expert NFL type of backside wall cutoffs, uh, boxing out opponents when he needs to, uh, not overrunning blocks, uh, keeping his feet turning, playing with a wide uh, base instead of a narrow base, uncoiling his hips, like doing all the football offensive line stuff that you want to see from an end-of-line blocking tight end. So many people have tried to tell me that uh, Brock Bowers is the next George Kittle. He is not. Darnell Washington is the next George Kittle. He will be an impactful end-of-line blocker while also being a freak after the catch. That's what Kittle is. 
Okay. Brock Bowers is a 18, 19 year old version of what Travis Kelsey was coming out of college. That's what he is. Brock Bowers is a type of tight end that will live in the slot and outside as an NFL tight end and might threaten to lead the league in receiving yards. That's what Brock Bowers is. So you've got George Kittle and Travis Kelsey on the roster, but Brock Bowers is not George Kittle. I, I would hope that you guys stop with that one. Brock Bowers doesn't right now doesn't show the upside as an end-of-line blocking tight end where George Kittle might just be the best we've seen since Rob Gronkowski, who you guys hate when I call Robert. Okay, that's that's the real news. But the other news is Brock Bowers might be the biggest mismatch in the slot as a tight end that Georgia might have ever had. That's Ben Watson included. You haven't had anybody like this. This is a guy that was clocked at 21.9 miles per hour on Saturday. And guess what? You've got a couple more coming. Oscar Delp looks like Brock Bowers if he ends up at Georgia. They might as well be Spider-Man meme. Okay? Pierce Sperlin, by the time he gets to Georgia, he's probably going to be about 6'7", 245 pounds. Who's that sound like? That sounds a whole lot like Darnell Washington, does it not? It does. you got two more of them coming. Except now they're flip-flopped. The, the the mismatch weapon will be there probably in 2022. And the freak of nature, big size opponent will be there in 2023. Buy Todd Hartley stock. Buy all of it. Whatever's left. There's probably not a bunch left anyways. Okay, so be, be pounding the Todd Hartley stock. He's done an incredible job not only recruiting, like I said, but developing once they've gotten there. Really, really great job by the heart man, okay? So... What are we holding? We're going to sell later, but what are we holding? I'll tell you right now, I'll, I'll, I'll hold that Auburn stock. I've seen a whole bunch of people tell me, especially Georgia fans, oh, man, I'm, I'm, worried, about, I'm worried about Auburn now. Oh, Arkansas gives me some – Arkansas gives me the willies. You know, Brooks, we got to go to Auburn late in the year. That's, that's going to be a tough one on the matchup. Hold it. Hold those opinions. Hold those thoughts and opinions, okay? They've beaten a, 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 an Akron team, I think 60-10. to 10. They've beaten an Akron team that's ranked 129th out of 130 teams on the ESPN RPI right now. Say what you want about the RPI. It's a pretty, you know, pretty staunch stats. Okay, staunch. That's not even a word. Pretty accurate statistical, uh, you know, ranking system when the top 25 ends at the top 25. We're talking about one of the worst football teams in Power 5 football or in, in, in FBS football, excuse me. In Akron, okay? So they beat the brake drums off of an Akron team that, guess what? The Zip's going to get zipped by a lot of folks this year. They are. Okay, I believe they play uh, Ohio State this week. Watch that one. Yeah, snoozer. Absolute snoozer alert. They might put 80 on them, okay? Akron, not really a good football team, not really a testament of your acumen as a football program either. Alabama State, same thing. They they beat the brake drums off Alabama State. Congratulations. Congrats. Hold the stock. Don't tell me they're great just yet. Guess what? You got a good uh, measuring stick this weekend. You go up to Penn State. You play the Nittany Lions in a whiteout. Number 10 team in the country. Let's hold that stock. Okay? Let's find out who they are um, this weekend. Don't, Don't tell me you're worried about them when they thump teams they're supposed to thump. Let's go see if they can go on the road in a hostile environment, especially Bo Nix. I think I think he's 500 right now on the road as a as an SEC starting quarterback. We'll see. We're gonna see about that offense. We're gonna see about all that this weekend uh, against Penn State. So hold that Auburn stock. Don't be buying too much of it. That's Auburn fans included. Okay, hold on to that stock. I'm also gonna hold, and this sounds blasphemous after what we've seen. Um, I'm holding Ohio State defensive stock right now. I'm not selling all of it just yet, um, and here's why. Look, I, I know they've allowed 456 yards per game um, in their first two games. 33 points per game, both of which are in the bottom, I think, 110 in the country. That's abysmal. That is absolutely awful. And this is a football team that was 75th in the country in total team defense a year ago. It ain't been looking great for the last nine football games, nine, ten football games. It's looked bad. Don't get me wrong. But, guys, they get Tulsa and Akron over the next two weeks. Tulsa and Akron before they play a Maryland team that can put up some points and before they go uh, to Indiana or excuse me, host Indiana and then go to uh, Penn State. 
Actually, I think they host Indiana and Penn State. Either way, they, they, they have two games against Tulsa and Akron, two teams of which they should get their mojo back. They should figure out who they are. They should start figuring out what they are and how they should attack opponents. And, and uh, then they then they play some Big Ten teams that could hypothetically put up some points. Indiana's looked awful over the first two weeks offensively, but that might be Penix getting back from a knee injury. they probably not letting that guy be who he actually is just yet. So let's hold on to that one, okay? Um, I'm holding Ohio State stock just for the time being. They're entirely too talented defensively to be giving up this, this, this many points, to be this porous defensively. Hold the stock for two more weeks. Let's find out who they are when they host Indiana, right? And then before they play Penn State, maybe we sell all the stock that we have in them, what is left of that stock. Now, let's talk about some people that I'm selling, some things that I'm selling. I wouldn't even say, yep, some of them are people. These are more things and topics that are in college football right now that I'm just out on, okay? I, I am 100% out on, and that's the whole point of a buy and sell segment. I am selling every bit of Edo stock. I opened with it last week. This is just, it's incredible. Guys, I don't know if you saw it, but they were up 7 to nothing, I believe it was, maybe 7, 14 to nothing against McNeese State at halftime. At home. That ain't it. This is a week after getting, uh, you know, embarrassed out there in L.A. Um, against UCLA. You would think they'd show up with some attitude, right? Um, you'd think they'd show up with a, a, a plan on how to attack um, and with, with some, uh, with some uh, you know, heart, right? No. No, they coasted through the motions again. They sailed through the motions again against McNeese State. Um, I, if you're holding Orgeron or LSU stock at this point, I take your lumps. And get on out. Take them now, okay? This is no different than you being the dum-dum that bought AMC stock when it was $800 a share, whatever the hell I got up to, okay? And then all of a sudden you wake up the next morning and it's tanking back to the, the, the dumpster stock it was. And you're still holding it, hoping that maybe it comes back up to where you can at least get out on partial of your investment or at least break even. Don't do that. There ain't no break-even point right now for this LSU program. They are not who they sold you and made you think they were. They are who we thought Ed Orgeron was. Prior to him magically putting it together with one of the best offensive, not only units, but offensive coaching staffs that college football has seen in quite some time. He caught, and as the YouTube commenters are saying right now, caught lightning in a bottle. Caught lightning in a bottle in 2019. And if you happen to have bought stock the night after they won a national title and you were the guy that bought AMC stock at its highest point, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's time for you to bite your losses. Just get out. Just sell it. Be done with it. Consider it an L and try to find another win. That's all you can do. That's all you can do because here's what I'm telling you. Look at this, guys. They play Auburn at Kentucky, Florida, at Ole Miss, at Bama, Arkansas, a week off against Louisiana Monroe, which at this rate might not be a week off, and then they finish the season with Texas A&M. Guys, if you told me they lost six of those seven games, I would not be shocked. I would not. You think you think Auburn's scared of LSU right now? Nope. You think Kentucky's scared of LSU right now? Uh-uh. Florida? Nope. Ole Miss? Damn heck no. Bama? No. Absolutely not. Arkansas, probably feeling really confident about that football game come the end of the season, too. And Texas A&M, by that time, Haynes King will be back onto the field. They're probably feeling pretty good about that LSU matchup as well. Guys, this is bad. This is bad. And I, th I think someone said something perfectly about the Clay Helton firing uh, yesterday, which we'll get to. There's no point in delaying the inevitable if you know it is indeed inevitable. You might as well cut your losses. And if you're LSU, cut them now. Cut them now because LSU looks like a pretty good coaching uh, you know, opportunity if you know what's going on with whatever pending NCAA sanctions may or may not come down. It's a pretty good coaching job, pretty good gig. So I'm not saying toss Ed Orgeron to the Wolves yet, but I promise you at the end of that stretch, again, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss, Bama, and Arkansas in consecutive weeks, at the end of that stretch, Ed Orgeron is going to be you know, updating his resume, hot take. I can almost guarantee it. Sell all that. 
sell all of that. Again, if you bought at the height of that stock, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. You lose sometimes, and you done lost on that one. Okay, um, another one that I'm selling, and my last sell of the day, I'm, I'm selling this USC coaching search. I am. Every time that job comes open, every single time, the names we hear, the Urban Myers, right? Oh, the Matt Campbells, the James Franklins. Guess what? All those damn names were up when Clay Helton uh, was, you know, excuse me, when they fired, who they fired? Oh, Sarkeesian. When they fired Sarkeesian for his off-the-field issues, right? When they got rid of him or he stepped down. Helton came in, took the team over. They played really, really hard for him, and they ended up hiring him. Guess what? The entire time during that season, all these same names were coming up. Oh, is Urban Meyer going to leave Ohio State for USC? Oh, is, is James Franklin going to leave Penn State for USC? Oh, could they possibly get one of the, the hot NFL coaches? Could they get one of these young co- It's every time. Every time I hear about it constantly. Guess what? Urban Meyer's already denied it. Matt Campbell at Ohio Iowa State. Guys, he turned down almost $10 million a year last year from Detroit. The Lions, an NFL job. 10 mil. So is the money in the fame something that Matt Campbell's after? Probably not. It don't look like it, at least. $10 million would have been probably the highest. Well, Belichick's, his whole stuff's off the record. Um, but probably would have been the highest paid football coach in the NFL turned it down. He's going to turn around and go to USC after turning down that? Maybe he does. I don't believe it. I'm selling it. James Franklin, a name that's constantly brought up. Constantly. Is James Franklin really in this upper echelon of these types of football coaches? I don't know. I think James Franklin's made a living off of making, winning nine games at Vanderbilt. By God, he should. He should He should have a net worth of $100 million based off that pure point blank. We've seen that. But... I'm just, I I don't get it. I don't understand why everyone thinks that this is some, one of these national powerhouses or a dormant school in college football. I get it's LA. LA is really, really cool. I understand that. I understand that NIL money is supposed to change recruiting and no, no better place to brand and image yourself than the University of Southern California. Brooks, look how many rich donors they have. Look how many, uh, you know, successful graduates they have. Look how many CEOs are in that business. Oh, Brooks, it's LA. There's no better place to brand image your name. Hell, LeBron James came out here to brand himself. He's the biggest name in sports. I get it. But you know what else is really, really important in this name, image, and likeness business? In college football, guys, we've opened the doors for really, really dedicated and rich and powerful boosters to just straight up pay athletes. Now, it's it's hidden through a shell corporation. It's it's branded through some business, right? Oh, they're 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 uh, an advertiser or a, a, a carrier for our business. Look, I mean, he's wearing our logo. That's great. Yeah, we're paying him X amount of dollars because we're you know he plays for the University of Alabama. We're we're giving Bryce Young million dollar deals. Well, who do you think's behind that, guys? Really, really powerful and, and passionate boosters at their programs. So, yeah, it's great. L.A., you can brand yourself. You can be the face of the local kombucha company, Quinn Ewers. But in the Southeast, where powerful and passionate boosters mean a lot, guess what? They got free reign now to pretty much do whatever it is they want. So it's still very, very important, ladies and gentlemen, to have a booster base that really loves your football program and a fan base that really loves your football game or football program. Turn on a USC game on Saturday nights when you're chasing late like I was this weekend. <laughs> Turn on your USC games. See how many powerful boosters are on the sidelines. See, other than Will Ferrell, see, just watch. It ain't what it used to be. And, and and so that's the NIL. Oh, and the other thing. It's a historic program, Brooks. They're one of the nation's most historic football programs, Brooks. USC ain't been relevant since 2008, guys. 2008. Pete Carroll's second to last year. They won a Pac-12 championship and won a Rose Bowl game. Ain't been relevant since. Guess what? In the class of 2022, the class that you're recruiting now, the class that you've got to sell your next head coach on that we can recruit. Guys, USC ain't been relevant since those people were four years old. Four. You know what historic programs 2022 graduates know about? Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, 
Georgia finding their way into there. Those kids grew up watching those football programs play for national titles. Those football programs play on New Year's Six Bowls, not USC. I was 12 and impressionable when Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were gallivanting across the football field. Guess what? I'm 26, and I don't mean nothing to your, high, your college football program. So, yes, are you a historic program? Yes. Is L.A. cool? Yes. Do you have a lot of boosters? Yes. Ain't none of that help Clay Helton. Everything about that? Ain't none of that help Clay Helton. Now, do you have enough money to throw at one of these big names? Yes. But so did the Detroit Lions with Matt Campbell. It was about situational fit, right? And right now, I don't think USC is as good of a situational fit as the rest of the national media is telling you. So I'm selling that one. I'm 100% selling that one. All right. So here we go with our Stone Cold Bees Austin's lock of the week. Last week, my lock didn't hit. My lock last week went 100%. We didn't do this segment last week, but it went 100% would have been Ohio State. So you might want to consider fading me, but I'd hold out. Okay, I would hold out because I got a good one for you. And I like the way it looks. And I, I, I'm feeling really good about it. I ain't going to put the mortgage on it considering we took an L last week. But here we go. You ready? Stone Cold Bees Austin's lock of the week for the century. Ole Miss minus 14 points against Tulane at home. I love this one, guys. I love it. I love the idea. Life is way more fun. When you're watching a fourth quarter game between Ole Miss and Tulane, a meaningless game in the middle of September, and you're praying that Lane Kiffin scores again. That's fun. That's really, really fun. Take Ole Miss, lay the 14 points, and have some fun watching a Lane Kiffin offense and praying they score. That's fun stuff, man. Do it. Lay those 14 points. Stone Cold Bees Austin's lock O the week. All right. So, yeah, we got – Connor saying, hold on, Brooks Austin's predictions. That's 100% facts right there. Um, let's start letting those uh, Q&A questions over on uh, YouTube load up. Okay, guys, start fill, flying those in. Um, I'll filibuster and let you guys load them up. We'll take, you know, four or five minutes here of, uh, of Q&A before we get out. We don't have a live Q&A show anymore, and I'm thinking about finding a way to make this happen. But Friday nights are about my only ones left where I'm thinking maybe I do a Q&A from whatever game I'm at, um, which this week will be Cedar Grove and Greater Atlanta Christian. Maybe I do a Q&A from there, but it'll only be on Twitter because I'll only have my phone. I'm not going to whip out a laptop on the sidelines. So um, let's load up these Q&A questions if you guys have them. If not, let's just roll on um, and we will call it a day here on the broadcast. But it doesn't look like they're coming in unless YouTube's just really, really delayed, which they might be. Let's see if Streamlabs has them pulled up. Oh, we got some right here. Oh, my bad. I just yanked the daggum camera all over the place. See, that's why we need the boy Ditko because he, he don't let these kind of things happen. All right, here we go. What class is Darius again? I think he's talking about Darius Smith. He's a 2022 commit, and he's a freak. Okay, really, really good football player, a stock that we're buying. He's going to end up, I promise you, he's going to end up being one of my guys moving forward. And you guys know that my guys' predictions are all far, far better than anything I do on this broadcast. So be buying that Darius Smith stock because I know I am. Um, let's get into some other ones. Dan Lanning to LSU, Connor Graham asked. I don't know. Look, I, I think Dan's smart enough to know that he's got – what he goes about choosing and what job he goes about taking is far more important than any type of, you know, pay structure or anything like that, current roster, anything like that. I think Dan is going to learn from his protege in Kirby Smart um, or predecessor in Kirby Smart in the sense that, hey, wait for the opportunity, not a opportunity or an opportunity. Wait for the opportunity. So whatever that the opportunity is, for uh, Dan Landing, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's a Midwest guy. He's from Kansas originally. That's why that Kansas job, people were worried about him taking that, but he ended up sticking around and getting a pay raise. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't. Um, I don't know what his dream job is, but I would wait it out. 
I don't think LSU right now is the school that you want to go uh, try and, and, and recuperate from the losses that they've suffered. Here we go. Kevin Green asks, think Miami is losing ground on Singletary because of their season so far? You know, it's hard to tell. Singletary's been a football player that's been, you know, kind of all over the map in terms of um, not just his commitment. I, commitments and decommitments, I understand, especially um, when you want to take official visits, you want to go. Singletary's one of these other guys that I'm, I'm going to hold out on before I make any rash decisions about where he may or may not be going. Um, he's going to take all those visits, guys. Um, so win the visit, you might win the Jaheim Singletary sweepstakes. So I would hold out on that one. Um, not anything you need to be pressing about anytime soon anyways. Is another, Stacy Goble asks, is there another college football team that has the opposing fan bases more jealous over their success? Um, unreal. Oh, he's talking about just Georgia's opposing fan bases being upset. Um, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I don't pay attention to what other fan bases think or care uh, to say. I kind of just pander to you guys uh, and make sure whatever it is that I'm doing either resonates with you or drives a, a something up in your belly and makes you hate follow me. I get a lot of that, so that's kind of my job. Let's see here. Brooks, what is uh, Jeremy asked? Brooks, what does UGA look like with Big O and Brock Bowers on the field at the same time? We've actually got an article coming out on this today, so hold your horses on that one. It's going to be freaky, very, very freaky. I think even when uh, Darnell Washington returns to the lineup, you're going to see Brock Bowers play a very, very similar role, right? They're going to do two different things, and we'll explain that to you in an article we got coming up very, very soon again over there on Dogs Daily. Hugh Freeze uh, to, to LSU might be a good idea. Honestly, they're kind of going to let whatever coach they got run rampant on whatever they kind of want to do. I think that's been proven over time. Um, Robert Reynolds over the DGD podcast asks, does SVP bounce back and have a great game this week? For his purposes, I hope so. Um, I could be very, very wrong. I, I, maybe he was going the right way and the, the, the redshirt senior, super senior left guard was going the wrong way. Or maybe he was going the right way and the redshirt junior and Warren Erickson at right guard was going the wrong way. I don't believe that to be the case. I saw a lot of confusion last week. It's not about execution with 63. It's not. It's about being at the right place at the right time. Let's see if he can get that put together this week. That will figure out how well he plays. Uh, Team Money asks, question, do we recover that or do we cover that ridiculous spread against the Yardbirds this Saturday? I'm staying the hell away. I'll be honest. It wasn't in my predictions. It's not going to be – I have to pick a score prediction. Um, I think I'm going to pick it right around 28 or 30 points. Guys, it's, it's still an SEC conference game. 31 points is a whole hell of a lot of points to be laying. But at this point, man, I'm not, I'm not even trying to figure out what the gambling line should or shouldn't be anytime soon. Uh, Luther is releasing a top three. Do we lead, you think, asked Brad Bush. I don't know if you lead. I can tell you you're in it. I've given an update on this over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. And I would assume the top three there are going to be Oklahoma, right, the school he just decommitted from, um, Georgia, and Missouri. I think that's a two-team race, though, in my opinion, between Missouri and Georgia. Chandler Johnson asks, does the O-line clean up the run blocking this week? You got to hope so. You absolutely got to hope so. And the, the good news, I guess, is – that I, apart from your center, from what I saw on tape, I didn't see a bunch of missed assignments. So you're you're executing your assignment, executing you know as a whole, and driving guys off the ball was very very inconsistent. But what I will tell you is that, and it may have been on purpose. Knowing Todd Munkin, it probably was on purpose. Your run game uh, scheme. Saturday against UAB was very, very bland and vanilla. I mean, to the utmost extent. I think you ran a couple of truck sweeps. I think I saw you run counter once. Outside of that, it was almost strictly inside and split zone. So maybe they just didn't think they needed to run the ball very successfully. I'll tell you what, against Clemson, you had a very, very unique um, and, and different game plan, right? Had some jet sweeps to James Cook. Had some uh, reverse action type stuff off of inside zone looks, right? Pulling the backside, uh, backside defender. That didn't happen against uh, UAB. It was very, very vanilla. Maybe that was by design. I'm going to think it was. 
indeed by design. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here. I got to eat some lunch with the family. Appreciate you guys for being here on MBR. Again, we do this every Wednesday afternoon starting at noon. Big noon kickoff over here on the Wednesday show for MBR. Appreciate you being here. We will probably have something to expect. I don't know what, how, how or what we're going to do tomorrow for that show considering South Carolina has an entire new coaching staff. Their offensive coordinator, their current offensive coordinator, hasn't been an offensive coordinator since 2014 at some mid-major school. He was an offensive line coach in the NFL last year. Their defensive coordinator was at a mid-major last year. I don't know what in the hell we're going to watch tomorrow, but I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. And it's going to be fun. So you should join us over here on the YouTube channel for some what to expect. Uh, for the Film Guy Network, for Dogs Daily, for Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin, I will 